0: A lot of us are feeling uncertain right now about a treatment for the virus, the health of friends and family, uncertain about our jobs, paying bills, and in some cases, our ability to retire. How are we supposed to respond to this kind of uncertainty? These messages from Cornerstone will point to our certain hope in Christ. Come to a time where certainty cannot be based on our circumstances. We're at a time that's so unique in history, and we're at a time that hope is really necessary. Times are uncertain, but God is not. So I want you to turn to your neighbor, whoever you're sitting beside right now, and say these words He's still got the whole world in his hands. Such a unique time in history. And if your hope is in science figuring out all the solutions to a man's problems, or if your hope is in the government to be the solution to what's gone wrong, then your hope has been shaken because science is still struggling. Government is flailing around, not being able to take care of everything and everyone. And Christians and non-Christians are feeling a new level of anxiety, maybe frustration, even anger. And that's why we're here together right now. Uh, to understand a little bit about what's going on inside of us in this season of COVID-19, and, uh, and and to understand the experience that we're feeling where things that we once counted on, we can no longer count on. Um, maybe you counted on being able to go to church, and now for weeks you haven't been able to go, and your life has been upended, and, and so there's cert- uncertainty and maybe even a sense of hopelessness that you're feeling right now. Maybe you counted on being able to to go to your job, but that's not happening. Maybe you counted on government stimulus money uh, to take care of your business, but that hasn't come through yet for you. Uh, Things that we once thought were certain are not. I just read today in our local paper about a business that was established uh, in 1930, and because the stimulus money didn't come in, they had to shut down, and they're shut down forever. They're not going to be able to reopen. Lives have been changed, and, and what we once counted on, we can't count on. So that's why the Bible becomes so relevant and so important in times such as this. We're going to start out with this Bible verse, and you're going to memorize it right where you're sitting or standing or lying down in your bed. I don't know. But uh, here it is, Psalms 33:22. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. All right, we're going to try that again, just like I would do it in a marriage ceremony. When I'm going to take it in sections. I want you to get this. I want you to bury this in your heart. Let your unfailing love surround us. Say that. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. I want you to memorize that. I want you to put that in your memory bank. I want you to tattoo that on your neighbor's arm. So it's important because we've all faced disappointment. And, we, and we're putting our hope, when we put in our hope in, in something or someone and it fails us, waves of hopelessness can overwhelm us. I recently heard a story about a college graduate who'd landed a good job. But because of the COVID-19 shutdown, that job is no longer there. We've heard of families who've lost loved ones, people that they once uh, experienced life with have been taken from this virus or some other other means that, that brought death into that person's life. And when people or economies or even our own selves fail, we fail in one of these ways, a sense of hopelessness abounds. So this is one of these moments where I say, aren't you glad you came? Well, you're really not here, but aren't you glad you tuned in? And you say, not really. Uh, It's one of those statements that, you know, we understand that life is not that certain many times. So here's the thing about our hope. We begin life framing our hope around a person or a thing. As children, we do this subconsciously. We don't even know we're doing this. We're putting our hope in our parents or whoever's raised us up. And, and, and that's what we know. So we, we put our hope in the people who are like feeding us and putting us to bed and, and all that type of thing. And as we get older, we begin to frame our hope around our abilities. We begin to frame our hope around our athletic abilities, or our academic abilities, or our social networking abilities. Uh, next, we begin to frame our hope around our skills. Uh, We begin to frame our hope around diplomas or the certain certificates that we get certain licensure that we get, we begin to frame our hope around these things. Uh, We begin to frame our hope around our careers or the people that we know or that one person that we want to marry. We begin to frame our hope around that. As we get older, we begin to frame our hope around the success of our children or maybe even the success of our grandchildren. As we move to another stage of life, we begin to frame our hope around the success of our 401k or retirement plan. Uh, You get the picture Pun intended. Imagine your hope as is a frame, and with each season of life, you're swapping one picture for the next of what you place your hope in. So again, like we place our hope in our in our abilities to work, the jobs that we have, or we place our hope in our family, or we place our hope in our government, or we place our hope in the person that we marry, the person that we're dating, that special someone, or we place our hope in science, or we place our hope in. In, in, the, in, the, in the location that we're going to retire at one day. And so we go through much of our life never really thinking about where we've placed so much of our hope in. And that, that's important to recognize, that we really don't think about this, but we need to think about this right now. And now you got a lot of time to think uh, because a lot of things have changed. Now, the leading cause of suicide is an overwhelming sense of hopelessness, either relationally or economically. Either people lose a relationship, don't have one, and they feel like ta- taking their life, or maybe that their whole lives crashed financially. And those become two of the top reasons why people commit suicide. Uh, during March this this month, uh, d- the disaster distress helpline has had an increase of 338% in calls coming in uh, about people who are contemplating uh, taking their life or just having a sense of overwhelming helplessness. 338% increase from February to March. That's dramatic. And so uh, what in past crises... Oftentimes, people will come together and suicide actually drops, but we're in this very unique crisis where people are isolated, and so they, don't, they have a sense of not being connected to the person or the thing that they once put a lot of hope in. Throughout the Bible, we're instructed to put our hope in God, and you knew I was going to say that because I'm the preacher standing here, right? Uh, and since you know, since, since we're, the Bible tells us that, it's hard to do that sometimes. And the reason we don't do that, you know the reason we don't do that? Nobody's answering me, so I'll tell you the reason that we don't do that. The reason we don't do that is because we don't recognize how broken a world we live in. We, lived up, we live in a messed up place. And for some of you, this is the first time you've ever said amen But it's true, we live in a messed up place. And so I want to look at one passage in the Bible that talks about why the world is so messed up and the hope that results from Jesus Christ. So we're going to look in Romans 8 today, Romans chapter 8, and we read in verse 20, For the creation, all the world, that includes us, was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. The reason the world is full of disease, tornadoes, droughts, and floods, and virus-carrying bats is the consequence of the sin of humankind. Genesis 3.17, God says to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you, Adam, because of your choices, your sin, you have cast the cosmos into creation. Adam and Eve's sin was an effort or an attempt to manipulate creation for their vain glorious pursuits. Instead of the earth becoming man's servant, earth became antagonistic to humankind. Death entered the world and the earth is forced to consume the dead bodies. The earth is forced to consume, to open itself up and consume death. It wasn't designed for that. And when that happens, it begins to frustrate all creation. Now the physical universe is hostile to humankind, and humankind becomes its slave. Frustration, this word means a sense of helplessness. Creation did not choose to rebel against God. Man did, and because man did rebel, it drug creation into the rebellion with them So there's this hope, though, in Genesis 3.15 that we read that redemption will come through the seed of a woman or a child, and we know that child is Christian. We know that's pointing to Jesus, that one day the seed of a woman, a child, will come, Jesus, and be able to reverse the curse. So Paul alludes to this in verse 21 of Romans 8. He says, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage, To decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. There is a day coming when the children of God and all creation will be set free from the frustration. But it's not today. Our hope is always future tense, our hope is not in the past returning. Don't look back for hope. Look forward for hope. Hope is found in Jesus and His return. And there's this peace that comes, but we are in this, we're in this moment of angst we call life. Uh, the frustration that we sense is, is talked about in Scripture. And it, bega- it began the first time man sinned. So, this is going to end, but it's not going to be today. It's going to be one day in the future, and we'll get through COVID-19 in some way, shape, or form, and there will be a new way that we're going to have to be living or a new process that we'll be going through, but you know what's going to happen, and I hate to say it, there's going to be another problem that that comes down the line. There's going to be more frustration that comes because this world is agonizing over the consequence of humankind's sin, and so Here's what you have to understand. We can't beat the odds. We can't overcome it. We, it we're, no matter how smart we are, or rich we are, or beautiful we are, or how much stuff we amass, how big of towers we build, how much science we have, it's not going to overcome this frustration that all the cosmos are in. Everything is spiraling downward. So here's what I'm trying to say. It's a bad idea to attach our hope to anything or anyone in this world because it's all in decay. This is a special sermon. I have two aren't you glad you tuned in moments in one message, right? So here's what I'm saying. This is not a cheery statement. This is, This doesn't make you happy. Science calls it entropy. And so the universe is in a gradual decline into disorder. I mean, science has proved this. The Bible talks about this. And so, uh, you know you're probably saying right now, wow, that was really good. No, you're not saying that. You're saying, preacher, really? I mean, I was expecting some like really cheery message right now. Well, it's going to get cheery, but right now we have to understand the consequences that we're living in. And there's no doubt that God will bring good out of bad. That's verse verse in this very section right here that you're reading. But the proof of that is found in the cross. The proof is found that that... Here we have the God-man Jesus who comes from outside. He comes from uh, uh, heaven. He comes from the place where the Father dwells. And he enters into our creation. And this God-man who's innocent suffers a criminal's death for the penal, uh, as, a, as paying the penalty for mankind. And because of that, we have this hope. So God can bring good out of bad. That's proven in the cross. But what I'm trying to convince you and me of is this fact that our hope must come from the outside. Our hope cannot come from within ourselves. Our hope cannot come from the talented hands or minds that we might put together. And, and, and so uh, our hope has to come from outside of creation because all creation, including us, is in a state of decline and disorder. We need outside help. So we have to attach our hope to something that's outside this world. This is what Paul is arguing here in in this part of Romans chapter 8. So when we attach our hope to things like our job, our house, our health, our finances, and those things fail us, our hope is crushed. When we attach our hope to a person, to a spouse, to a child, to a girlfriend, to a boyfriend, uh, to, 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 to some person, and that person dies or they fail us, our hope is crushed. See, our hope has to be attached to something outside this world. Now, I'm not going to read verses 22 through 23. You can read that. But they go on to describe how creation longs for redemption, how how it's aching for, for renewal. And so in verse 24, the word hope returns, and this is where we're going to pick it back up. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Our hope is future tense. Uh, Our hope is is looking forward. It's not looking backward. Stop looking backward. Our hope is looking forward. And this not yetness, quote unquote, this not yetness, of the salvation means that Christian faith is characterized as hope. As a matter of fact, in this passage of, uh, of scripture, you could every every time you see the word hope, you could replace it with faith. For in this faith we are saved, but faith that is seen is no faith at all. Right? Faith is future tense. For. Who, who has faith for what we already have? We, we're, we're, our faith is, is future tense. We're, it's not about what we have right now. Our faith is based in what Christ is going to do and what he's already doing inside of us. But that's a supernatural thing. And so when, when you and I decide to follow Jesus, we attach ourselves to something outside ourselves. We attach ourselves to a bigger story. And so... Uh, uh, we're, our hope is something we cannot see. Our hope is outside this world. And the day you decided to follow Jesus, you decided that this is not all there is. That's what you decided. We wait patiently for that hope. How are you doing on your patience? Like, maybe you want to ask your spouse that right now, or maybe your children want to turn around and look at you and ask, you know. That's, that's how I'm doing on my patience. Not that great. I mean, it's hard to be patient. That's a gift from God. Paul talks about this in another letter called Galatians. But patience is something we ask for. It's that you can't create it. You ask for it. Supernatural patience to wait this long for what God has promised. It's it's a good thing to to do that. But, But in verses 26 through 30, Paul writes that even though we're waiting right now, even though we're in this angst, this agony, this frustration, God's still at work. He talks about how God listens to our frustrations. He understands our agony through our prayers. He understands how pointless this life can feel. Have you ever been through a season of life where you felt it was pointless to get up or pointless to go to work? That's that's the frustration of this world. It wasn't meant to be that way. Sin ushered the world into that. It would, the world was drugged into that uh, by the consequence of sin. And many times this frustration feels like, you know, just like giving up. God gets it. He says, you give your agonizing prayers to me. I, I understand that. And he works to bring us through that. Whatever you're experiencing right now, isolation, uh, a sense of pointlessness, God is, is, is not giving up on working through this. But we have to be patient. So never give up because God is with us. This is what Paul says in verses 26 through 30. And Paul gives us proof of why we should hope, and that's Jesus. We read this. What then shall we say in response to these things? Is God for us? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will, we, how will he not also, along with him... Graciously give us all things. Paul starts out this passage with two rhetorical questions. And and, and so what Paul is saying is, look at how far God has committed himself to the redemption process of the universe and you. His son, as I said before, died on a cross, was buried in creation, buried in a tomb, and was resurrected to bring new life to you and all the earth. And so he's committed, and so we must remain committed. God's in this for the long haul, and so must we. He gave his son in oneness to bring redemption through his death to all creation. And then Paul goes on to say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about who's writing this. This is Paul. Paul. This guy who suffered all kinds of hardship, been rejected by family, suffered isolation in prison. He suffered beatings, even death, we think. At one point, he suffered being shipwrecked. He, he, he gets it, right? And like he's saying, I'm convinced, I've been through all of that, and I'm convinced there's nothing that can separate us. From the love of God. Not disease, not divorce, not isolation, not job loss, not 401k loss, not not the loss of health, the loss of your best friend, the loss of your spouse, your child, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your dog, or your cat, even your cat. God says there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Our salvation in Christ has liberated us From the future decay of all things. We're on a path of redemption in Christ. And that's why Paul says put all your hope. One hundred percent of your hope in Jesus. I got good news. He's still got the whole world in his hands. And he's making all things new. So when our lives are framed around Jesus. Something like a season of COVID-19 or whatever comes down the line, it hurts, but it's not a total loss because our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is framed around someone who is not of this world, someone who suffered in this world, but showed through his resurrection he was sinless and he wasn't part of the fall. So... Who or what determines your ability to flourish when times are bad? Where you're putting all your hope is going to determine if you're able to cope with this or whatever else is going to happen in your life. And so I'm praying, I'm inviting you to put your hope totally in Jesus, that in your frame of hope, Jesus fills the whole picture. I want you to make a decision today to pattern your whole life around the teachings of Jesus. Make a confession today that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Make an appointment today to be baptized. Make a decision that you're going to connect yourself to the family of God, the church. For you who are already followers, if you don't have a picture of Jesus somewhere in your existence or maybe on your phone or maybe you have in a frame somewhere in your house a certain passage of Scripture... Maybe it's Romans chapter 8, you know, or part of it. I hope you do that. And I I want you to see it often so you can remind yourself daily that all my hope is in Jesus. Even if everything fails me, I know Jesus has not failed. For his, his ability to redeem is absolutely certain. Let's pray. Father, I pray for everyone who is suffering, and that would be all of us because we're all suffering, that, that each of us would frame all our hope in, in, in Jesus, that, we would, that he would be the very center of all that we rest on, all that we bank on, all that we uh, uh, base our life on. And for those who frame their hope around something or someone other than you, Father, help them to move forward. And reframe their life, reframe their hope with Jesus. Father, you're so good. You're so good to us. Lord, help us right now to put our whole entire trust, all our faith, all our hope in you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray.